Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. one more time and just thank him in this house tonight hallelujah jesus we love you lord amen amen i'm thankful for the goodness of the lord amen if you'll open up your bibles to the book of genesis in the first chapter genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 is where we'll begin tonight's lesson And the Bible says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion. Everybody say dominion. Dominion. Highlight that, whatever, remind it, underline it. Keep that word in your mind. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Say that's Bible. Doesn't matter what anyone else says. And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have what? Dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. For tonight's lesson, I want to cover this topic tonight, the demand for dominion. The demand for dominion. If you'll put down your Bibles, and we're going to just pray that God would have his way in the house tonight. Father, we thank you for your goodness, and we thank you for what you've already done in this place. Thank you for greeting us, because your word says that you inhabit the praises of your people. And God, we thank you for that. So God, I pray that you would speak to us right now, and let the word not fall on deaf ears or closed hearts. And Lord, we pray that you would have your way in this house tonight. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You may be seated in the house. So we know that from this opening text that God placed dominion in the lives of all mankind. At the very beginning of time and ever at the very beginning of creation, God placed this dominion in all of man. Webster defines this word dominion as having authority, power, law, or absolute ownership. We as mankind have the drive to reach dominion in our lives. How many know that dominion is something that each of us want to achieve? Everybody wants to receive that level of power, that passion or that focus to have power. You can just look all over the world and you see it all over the place. You see it in you and your coworkers that are both striving for that promotion that only one of you are going to get. Or maybe you thought of when your favorite sports team went up against their rival in the championship. 
Me personally, I think of like back in the day, it was Magic Johnson with the Lakers facing against the clearly superior Larry Bird and the Boston Celtics when they would go back and forth seeing who will be the number one team in the league. Maybe you're thinking of those cheaters down in Houston, those Astros getting ready to face the Phillies in the World Series, seeing who will have dominion in the MLB. Or how about here in a short time, we're going to end up having to choose between two people who are fighting to become the most powerful person in the free world in which you and I are going to have to vote over. Everybody say it's power and it's dominion. All around us, people are striving for that power and authority. However, we're not here to talk tonight about sports or about jobs or politics. Somebody tell your neighbor, thank you, Jesus. No, there is something that is much more severe when it comes to dominion. And that is the demand for dominion over your mind. Everybody say your mind. How many know that the mind is sought after by so many things today? Does everybody just feel like your mind's just cluttered every single day? I know as a child, you're thinking like, man, I just got, I just drift off into space. I, I do it a little bit now, but not as often as I used to. But now it just seems like my mind is so busy. And how many know that if your thinking is stinking, then your life will also stink? There seems to be a constant war within the minds of both the believer and the unbeliever. So many things plague our mind that we allow. We allow ourselves to get so wrapped up in things that shouldn't be taking space in our mind. Probably right here and right now, some of you aren't hearing me because you're thinking about the supper that you haven't made yet. Or today on the job, you didn't perform so well because all you could think about is how you're going to afford that bill that popped out of nowhere or that hospital bill that just seemed to come out of surprise. Perhaps school is taking too much space in your mind. You can't seem to have any free time because all you can think about is applying to that college or this different college or what kind of programs do they have or do they have the major that I want? Am I still going to want that major in a few years? Is this diploma even going to be worth anything once I I'm done. Am I going to have a job once I get out? Is it going to be a good job? Is it going to be a paying job? How long will I be in debt after I get out of school? See how your mind will allow you to just go down a rabbit hole. Anybody a victim of going down rabbit holes in your mind? Oh yeah. If we aren't careful, our mind will become out of control. But what is so funny is that we're the ones that control the mind. Did you know that in a recent study, one out of every five Americans deal with some sort of mental illness? 50% of all mental illnesses start by the age of 14, and 75% start at age 25. Anxiety stands to be the most common mental illness with 19% of all U.S. adults affected. One out of, this one blew my mind, one out of every six people, and that is from the ages of 12 to 17, experience major depression. 12 to 17 year olds deal with major depression. The mind has been talked about so much. You see it all over the news. You see it all over Facebook. You see it all over uh, different social media. It's all you hear about. Celebrities even talk about it. People are always talking about it. And in recent years, it has blown up to be so much. But why is that? Why has mental health become such, such a hot topic right now? Well, I believe it's because I've come to the understanding that there are three main forms of thinking. Three main forms of thinking. We're going to be talking about these three forms of thinking. 
And that way of thinking impacts the health on your mind. Every human that has ever lived would fall into these three categories when it comes to your thinking. When you're going, uh, we're going to talk about these things tonight, and hopefully by the help of the Lord, we're going to shed some light on some people's way of thinking and help maybe get some people back on track, amen? And these three forms of thinking are demonic, carnal, and spiritual. Demonic, carnal, and spiritual. So we're going to jump, we're kind of going to mix between these three, but the first one that I'm going to talk about is demonic thinking. And I know some of us are thinking, why in the world is he covering that? Why in the world? You're talking to a bunch of church people. Why are you talking about demonic thinking? Well, if it's in the word, it's worthy to be discussed. Amen. Because it's written in Proverbs 15 and 26, the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination unto the Lord. This verse is very interesting to me because we would think that it's when the wicked man speaks or it's when the wicked man does an action, or when he acts out what he's thinking, that it becomes evil. That just because you had an off-color thought, that you still didn't do anything wrong because you never acted on your thoughts, or you didn't even speak to those thoughts. Yet God says the very thoughts of the wicked are an abomination unto him. If there is one thing that we can know, is that you will not see someone with a demonic way of thinking within the church. So this demonic thinking you see in the unbelieving. Well, and one thing that uh, I saw that was very interesting in the commentary of Proverbs 15 and 26, for it says, the thought of the wicked is abomination unto the Lord, but the words of a pure man please him. It's funny how the thoughts of the wicked man are abomination, but the words of the pure please him. Because if we're wanting to be spiritual in our way of thinking, our thoughts alone are not going to be enough. We need to act on these thoughts. But yet, the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination. Unless you see someone carrying a spirit with them coming into the house of the Lord, I think of a time like when my grandpa, Gil, was in a service, and, and uh, Dad tells the story, and you've heard it probably many times, but he was shaking hands, and there was a woman that sat there, and she waited, and she was one of the last people to leave, and, and Grandpa just didn't get a good feeling about her, and it turns out that she was uh, going from church to church, and every church that she went to, she was causing chaos and drama, and, and it would just start off a bunch of things, and then Grandpa just decided, and he looked at her, and he said, I perceive you to be a witch, and the Lord tells you to get out of here. Because it turns out that she had a demonic way of thinking and she was going to different churches and causing all this harm. A demonic way of thinking is when every thought of the mind is anti-God or anti-Christ. When it comes to a demonic way of thinking, you become a natural agent to the darkness in this present world. Demonic thinking also is one of the most easiest forms to identify because of the sure amount of wickedness coming from out the person. However, no matter how demonic the thoughts of the person may be, there is still hope for them. There's still hope for the unbeliever today, no matter how evil they are. Because God can cast the unclean spirits out of a person like he did so many times in the Bible. Mark writes in the third chapter in verse 10, For he healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him to touch him, as they had many plagues. And unclean spirits, when they saw him, they fell down before him and cried, Thou art the Son of God. You see, no matter how evil a person may be, no matter what spirit plagues their mind, God can still heal them. So that's the first form of thinking, and that was demonic thinking. The second I want to cover tonight, we'll cover a little bit more in detail, and that is carnal thinking. Everybody say carnal thinking. 
So as demonic thinking, we find in the unbelievers who are not within the church, carnal thinking is mostly identified to the believers within the church. For Paul writes to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, but the natural, but everybody say carnal. When Paul writes natural there, that's what he's referring to, is the flesh. He's referring to the carnal. So let's read it like this. But the carnal man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Jump over to the next chapter in chapter 3 and verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hither unto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are, not, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and division, are ye not carnal and walk as men? So to truly understand what Paul is talking about here is we need to know what Paul is writing to. We need to know what's going on in the Corinth church. What Paul's dealing here is a church full of duality. Because he's got people who are thinking spiritually like they ought to be, but then yet he's got a Corinth church that's dealing with carnality. Those who think carnally are usually ones who are supposed to be thinking spiritually. That's, that's just as simple as that. So Paul shows us from the beginning of the text, we use that within the church, there are two schools of thinking. In verse 14 of chapter two, Paul writes about the natural or the carnal man. In verse 15, he speaks on the spiritual man. But let's focus on the carnal man thinking. Paul tells us that someone who is thinking carnally cannot receive from the spirit of God. In fact, he says he cannot receive things from the Spirit of God. Everybody say things. Don't you just love that word, things? That word things here is we can understand as the understanding or the revelation. So a carnal man cannot receive an understanding from God, and he cannot receive a revelation from God. They cannot spiritually discern or recognize what God is trying to say. So when you have someone who is thinking carnally, when pastor gets up and begins to preach the word, when there should be a moment of revelation, but to the carnally thinking person, they do not recognize that revelation is coming from the pulpit. Their carnal thinking blocks them from the promises and understanding of God and his kingdom. Unlike demonic thinking, the king of carnal thinking isn't Satan. Carnal thinking doesn't come from Satan. It comes from self. Carnally minded people will always be self-oriented. How many know that this world deals with self more than anything? Pastor talks about what became so popular and how you see it is everybody just got so focused on selfies. It's all about how I look. I don't care about everybody behind me looks. I'm just worried about how I look. When you see people and you can see that they have a carnal mind, it shows itself through their actions. Just as God says that the pure in words was, uh, was pure unto him in Proverbs, you can see what a carnal person is through their actions. A few characteristics of carnal thinkers are they're usually church-hopping saints. 
They're so focused on what they receive, and if they don't get just what they want, they'll leave and find it someplace else. The excuse is always, and I hate this excuse when I hear it. Maybe it's just because I grew up in the pastor's home. Well, I'm just not getting fed here. I'm just not getting enough. I'm not, I'm not being fed here. Well, Paul told the Corinthians, I gave you milk. I didn't give you meat because you couldn't handle it. You weren't able to handle it then, and you're not able to handle it now. And I definitely know through parenthood, anyone can warm up milk in a bottle. But I find it harder for someone to be able to cook me a good steak. Does that make sense? And, and personally, when it comes to the person that says that they aren't being fed, maybe it's just a mixture of uh, my gill brashness and my wall stubbornness. But I, I, I always have the remark of, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know it was my responsibility to personally feed you. Because isn't this word for all of us? This is the bread of life. Each of us are supposed to partake it. Yes, pastor gets up here and he preaches the word of God, but it's up to you and to me to personally take this word every day and only then are we going to be fed. Carnally minded people are usually church hopping saints. Carnally minded people are also complainers within the church. The music's too loud, it's too cold in here, it's too hot in here, the preacher yells too much, they talk too much about doctrine, the people look weird, brother so-and-so gave me a dirty look, sister Salicue didn't shake my hand, I just can't believe it. Carnally minded people are so focused on their own experience that they don't care to try to ruin someone else's experience within the church by complaining to them. So carnally minded people are church hoppers, they're, self, uh, they're complainers. And lastly, carnally minded people are usually seasonal Christians. Everybody say seasonal Christians. And I'm not talking about your CEOs, your uh, Christian Easter only Christians. No, they only care about what you've done for them recently. It's all about what have you done for them now? It doesn't matter what God did a few months ago. It's ma it matters what he did now. Because if he's not going to bless me every day, then I have better things to put my attention towards. If, if God's not going to bring me a miracle every day, well, then I just don't know if I've got the time for him. Don't you just love it when you see someone who will one day, they're talking about God, they're so excited about God and his goodness and what he's done, and it's just so great, and, and that, that they feel like they're on top of the mountain and everything's good, but then the very next time you see them, it's a 180 degree turn, and everything's down, and it's, and it's that Eeyore mindset, and, and God just doesn't love me, and he forgot me, and I'm just here all alone, and oh, woe was me. Don't you just love those kind of people? It's because they've come, become so dominated by their carnal thinking that they can only focus on themselves and what's going on in their life. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. For those who are so wrapped up in themselves, in the flesh, in this world, the writer tells us that the world can only supply us with these three things, and that's the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's what the carnally-minded person is so focused about. But I want you to know something today. Do you know that those three things are not caused by Satan? Satan can tempt you to pursue those three things, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. 
But they're not caused by Satan. They're caused by self. Satan can place those things in your life. However, it's up to you if you're going to lust after the flesh in your eyes. Or if you're going to lust after your own flesh. Or if you are going to allow yourself to have the pride of life. It's up to you if you will allow yourself to be dominated by pride. All of these things demand to have dominion in your mind. Carnal minds usually come from those sitting within the pews like we said earlier. They may have been born again, but there can still be some flesh that seeks to have dominion in your mind. Because Paul didn't deal with carnality just at the church in Corinth. He also dealt with it in Rome. For he writes in Romans chapter 8 and verse 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is what? Death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. The Greek word for that word enmity in verse 7 speaks of being hostile or aggressive. So then we can read verse 7 and it would say this. Because the carnal mind is hostile against God, for it is not subject to the law of God. You see, the difference between a carnal mind and a demonic mind is that God can cast out the demon in a demonic mind, but he can't cast out your carnality. That has to come from yourself. The demons know the power of God and tremble before him. Yet when it comes to carnally minded people in the pews, they act that way on their own free will in which God said he would never act on. The reason we deal with carnality is because God gave us a thing called free will. And that's what Adam and Eve had when they chose to partake of the fruit that God said not to. We can say we're not going to have a carnal mind all we want, but that thing called will gives us the option to have a carnal mind. A carnally minded person cannot operate in spiritual warfare until they change their way of thinking. Their spiritual man is so starved because the flesh has been fed for so long. When you feed your flesh, you weaken your ability against spiritual attacks. If you're thinking with a carnal mind, no wonder you're dealing with these spiritual attacks because your defenses are down. You become so focused on yourself that you forgot to realize. You, uh, you become so focused on, on your depression or whatever it is that you're dealing with. And in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, You rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's what you're supposed to have your mind on, not about your depression. Those who think with a carnal mind feel like they have the weight of the world on their shoulders because, quite frankly, they do. Because when they put themselves in the carnal way of thinking, they have made their self king and not the king of kings. So when they push the king of kings out, then he can't hold on our weight. He can't, we can't put our, 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 our issues on him. We put our issues on ourselves. Because once you start indulging yourself just to please yourself, you push God out of the scenario. No wonder you face anxiety attacks because your God has become yourself. And you can't pull yourself out of anxiety. Not the strong tower that David writes about. And yet you do that in the very pews that place, that, that's in the place that can change all of that. 
We blame so much on Satan, and honestly, I think the church gives him too much credit. The church gives him too much credit. He's not even powerful enough to be considered God's equal. Yet we like to put him in that place. We say that Satan's attacking me. Well, Satan's attacking me with depression. Satan's attacking me with anxiety. Well, no, maybe you're so focused on yourself and you haven't spent some time in prayer and put God at the center of your life. You've placed yourself at the center of your life. No wonder the weight of the world is on your shoulders because God's supposed to carry that burden, but yet you put it on yourself. Paul wrote it so well in Romans chapter 8. To be carnally minded is death. We like to think that if we go to hell, if we go to hell, that it's because Satan got the best of us. Oh, that rascally Satan, he just done me in. And because of that, I'm just on my way to the fiery pit. But that's not the case. We never seem to think that it's because we were so self-oriented on our time here on earth. What is so ironic is that those who are born once will end up dying twice. But those who are born again will only have to die once. If you can get yourself out of your own agenda and out of your center of your life, you will realize that there is so much weight that you have been carrying that you do not need to carry. There is so much anxiety that didn't need to be in your life that will just leave. Depression begins to leave. Whenever you start placing God at the center of your life and taking yourself out of the center, then you will realize that depression just kind of seems to disappear. That anxiety just kind of seems to go away. That miracles start to happen. That finances just begin to start showing up because I've placed God at the center of my life and at the center of my thinking. So how do we get out of a carnal mind? Well, remember what Peter told those around him in Acts chapter 2? Paul wrote again in 1 Corinthians 9 and 27. When Peter was talking about in Acts chapter 2, sorry I'm kind of jumping around, but when Peter's talking in Acts chapter 2, when, when the day of Pentecost was come, fully come, it said that they were all in one accord. And that they were in one place and that they were together. You see, whenever you're carnally minded, you start getting around people who are carnally minded. And that just kind of broods little, little areas of, of, of what, what, did, what was it that uh, Paul was writing? It, it was striving. It was envy. It was jealousy. Those things that were plaguing the church is because carnally minded people got together. But when Peter was talking about in Acts chapter 2, he was not talking about carnally minded people. It was spiritually minded people that were together in one place and in one time. Paul wrote again in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27, but I keep my body, or I keep under my body, and I bring it under subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. And then he says in 1 Corinthians 15 and 31, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. 
What are we talking about here? Keeping your, your flesh under subjection and dying daily. Your carnality is your flesh. And Paul said that repentance must be a daily thing. You want to get out of your carnal way of thinking? Your body must die daily. That old man must die daily. We like to think that just because we went down in the water once, that that's enough. But Paul said, that was not enough for me. I must die daily to get out of my carnal thinking, to get out of my jealousy, to get out of my envy. That's what the word says. If you want to have your flesh under subjection, if you're dealing with the lust of the flesh, of the lust of the eyes, or you're dealing with pride, then put your flesh under your subjection because your mind does not control you. You control your mind. Then and only then will you loose yourself from a carnal mind. Thanks be to God that we have another option. That we don't always have to be down in the dumps. That we don't always have to be thinking on the negative. If we allow ourselves, there is one more option that demands to have dominion in our mind. And that is spiritual thinking. Everybody say spiritual thinking. Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. What? By the renewing of your mind. That ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and uh, uh, in the perfect will of God. Only God can put you in a place of thinking spiritually. You must have a renewed mind. The word of God is the only thing capable of bringing your mind into a place of spirituality. Paul said it so well in Romans 8 and 9. This is continuing where we left off talking about carnal thinking when we stopped at verse 8. But let's continue in verse 9 in chapter 8. But ye are not in the flesh. He's speaking to that same church that said that, that, the, uh, that those who think carnally will end up in death. But he said, ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin but the spirit is life because of righteousness but of the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you that's a good promise for a spiritual thinker just as carnally minded people are church hoppers, those who are spiritually minded are found on the rock of Jesus. They are solid in their church. They know that they're not on sinking, they, on, they're on sinking sand. They know who they are. They know what their purpose is. They know what their role is in the kingdom. That's what a spiritually minded person is. Spiritually minded people know that they took in the milk that Paul wrote about, but there comes a time when the milk isn't going to cut it anymore. Those who are spiritually minded know it's time to go deeper in the word of God. And when it talks about going from milk to meat in the Bible, what it's talking about is going from like those dainty Sunday school uh, sermons that you hear, the, the, those easy sermons, and then you start getting into deep revelation of God. That's the meat of the word. There is so much thing, promises and miracles and information and revelation that God wants you to know, but you cannot understand it if you're carnally minded. Revelation only comes to those who have spiritual thinking. A spiritual thinker takes dominion over their own mind and doesn't allow others to do the same. 
Some of you have been giving others too much real estate in your mind. It's time to have a purge of your mind. It's time to have that out. And that's when Paul's talking about, I died daily. That body starts fresh. That mind starts fresh. You have new real estate in your mind. And that's when you need to start your day with the word. Because then that puts good things in your mind. But how are we to know that we can have dominion over our mind, David? I've dealt with so much anxiety for years. It's just become a part of me. I've dealt with this depression and this fear for so long. It seems that that it's just who I am now. How do I understand that I can have dominion over this? Genesis chapter 1 and 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have what? Dominion. Everybody say dominion. What stood out to me as I studied for this lesson tonight is that before God even created man, before he, he, he uh, sculpted that mud, before he breathed life into the nostrils, he declared dominion over him before he was ever created. Did you know that before your first purpose was to be fruitful and to multiply, it was to have dominion? God gave you a, a, a power that he didn't give to any other creature. I like what David Guzik writes in his commentary on this verse. In this sense, it is a sin if man does not use his dominion. It would be a sin if you did not take dominion over your mind. It would be wrong of you to let Satan take over your mind again and again. It would be wrong of you to let flesh keep control over your mind. It would be wrong of you to let fear just keep dictating your thoughts. It would be wrong, it would be a sin to let depression just take a stronghold in your mind. It would be a sin to let fear take over your daily thoughts. It would be a sin to let anxiety to take over your breath. Somebody take dominion over your thoughts. Satan should not have access to your thoughts. Self should not control your mind. To be spiritually minded is to have the absence of a carnal mind. If you will stand with me tonight, music be making your way. I believe that those statistics I read earlier could be prevented if people got their flesh out of their mind. If they would cease to think carnally. If you're wanting to have dominion over your mind tonight, or if you are thankful that God has given you the ability to have dominion, I'd like you to go ahead and come to these altars. Well, David, I'm just having a hard time in this transition moment. I want to be spiritually minded, but my flesh is seeking dominion over my mind. What do I do? How can I... make that shift from carnality to spirituality well the writer says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 finally brethren whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things are lovely whatsoever things are of good report if there be any virtue and if there be any praise what do he say think on these things it's hard to get that carnality out of your mind If it was easy, Paul wouldn't have had to say he died daily. He would just say, I thought daily. No, it's that process of dying every day. 
Paul even said, I must decrease so that God can increase in my life. If you want a new way of thinking, it's gotta start at a place called repentance. So I, want, I wonder, if you want a deeper connection with God, it's gonna have to start at the grave of your flesh. So I wonder if with lifted hands, if we could just take a moment and let's repent over our mind tonight. Let's take dominion over a place that Satan was trying to take over, that your flesh was trying to take over. Let's take a moment and repent and kill our flesh, kill our carnality. Let's bury that old way of thinking, bury that old man, because there is one seated on the throne in heaven that demands the dominion over your mind. And because of that, you're going to see miracles. You're going to see great things. You're going to feel burdens lifted off your shoulders. You're going to, you're going to see emotions begin to change. You're going to see mindset begin to change. Come on, let's pray, begin to pray right now and say, God, have your way in my mind. God, have your way in my mind right now. Come on right now, just put your hand on your head and say, God, Thank you for listening to the MPC Podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.